In this episode of the Sacred Word, I want to speak to you about the Ishvara Gita. Chapter 3, stanzas 1 to 7. Now, if you watched my video on the top five books of 2019, you would remember the Ishvara Gita was number two. Absolutely amazing scripture. Wonderful introduction by Andrew Nicholson. Andrew Nicholson, is, you know, I could shout him in many superlatives as a scholar. Amazing scholar on Hinduism, but this translation of the Ishvara Gita is unbelievable, amazing, and something I highly recommend. So that's why I wanted to go through some parts of this Ishvara Gita. I'll go through a, a few of these over many videos, but I want to focus today on stanzas 1 to 7 from chapter 3. Chapter 3 is called The Unmanifest Lord. So we're, when we're talking about this, again, when we're talking about Ishvara, we're talking about Shiva, but Shiva is a representation of Brahman. Always remember that. This is a Shaiva text. This is a text to worship Shiva as Brahman. And in chapter 3, called The Unmanifest Lord, Shiva is explaining how the unmanifest Lord himself, Brahman, came to be. And these seven stanzas are amazing. I, I love these seven stanzas. And this actually kicks off chapter 3 beautifully, if you get a chance to read the entire chapter. But I really enjoy these seven stanzas, and I want to go and unpack them with you today to understand them deeply. So first, let's look at stanza 1. Lord Shiva said, From the unmanifest came time, primeval matter, and the supreme spirit. The whole world was born from these three. So the world consists of Brahman. So from the unmanifest came the three components of reality. So time, matter, spirit. Spirit here, the self, the Atman, which dwells within all, which is identical with Brahman. So in the universe, we have these three components. So there is time, and time governs our life, and matter, we're obviously we're encased in matter. But within matter is the Atman, is the spirit or the self, however you want to put it. And so the co-mingling of these three creates the whole world. That's what this stanza is saying. These three create the world you and I experience. This, this mingling of matter, spirit and time creates reality. And as it said, so it consists of Brahman. So these are like the building blocks of Brahman in this world. These are the fundamental elements that create life, but come forth from the unmanifest. They come forth from Brahman. That's what this first stanza is saying. Now the second stanza states, it dwells in the world, enveloping everything, hands and feet everywhere, eyes, head, face, and ears everywhere. This stanza is a bit of a no-brainer. So what it's saying here, what Shiva is saying, is that Brahman is, is basically everything. So everything is Brahman. So the function of your life is Brahman itself. It's, an, it's a function of Brahman, but just a small part of it. But it's all contained as one. So we are contained within you know, this greater container of Brahman, but we are a part of that container. And so everything is Brahman. So this kind of second stand is trying to reinforce that idea that this idea of separation from Brahman or this idea that 
the eyes and the ears and the bodies and everything else of the world are the same as you. They're not separate from you. These are just different processes moving through the world, but you are a part of them as much as they are a part of you. So as it says, it dwells in the world and it envelops everything. So that's something that we have to always try and remember when we when our life kind of on an individual level kind of you know goes in a direction that we don't want it to go. We need to remember that Brahman dwells within everything and envelops everything. And you are a part of that. That's what this second stanza is trying to reinforce. Now the third stanza states it appears to possess all qualities and all senses, yet is free of them all. Supporting all things, it is eternal bliss, the unmanifest, free from duality. So what Shiva is explaining to these sages who are trying to understand Brahman is that Brahman itself appears to possess all qualities and the senses, but it is actually free of them. Now, this is also Shiva trying to explain to the sages that when they realize the Atman, they themselves will also be free of all qualities and the senses. They will still possess them, but they will, they will be free from them. They will be liberated from the senses and all of the qualities that we possess. And this is the nature of Brahman. The, on, from the totality, these senses and all of these qualities are possessed within Brahman, but Brahman is free of them. The, the whole dissolution of the whole universe could happen. Brahman still exists. So in the last line, it says supporting all things. So Brahman is the foundation of all things. It's the fundamental principle of life. It's the source of existence and it dwells within everything. It supports everything. It is the eternal bliss, which is unmanifest and it is free from duality. So Brahman is non-dual. And the idea here is that the eternal bliss can only be experienced when we come back into that non-dual reality, which is Brahman. And then we'll be free from this illusion of duality that we experience in samsara, that we experience in this illusion we call maya. Now the fourth stanza states, Without any object of comparison, its range is beyond the means of knowledge. The abode of all things, supreme immortality, beyond mental construction or semblance. So Shiva is explaining to the sages here that Brahman has no object of comparison. And so it is beyond any means of knowledge. We cannot know it intellectually. We cannot fundamentally say we know it because it is beyond all qualities. It is beyond all objectification because it's not an object of knowledge. It itself is not an object of knowledge, so we can't know it. This is the whole idea of Brahman, this absolute substance or reality that is beyond all things. And the last line kind of reinforces the first line. So it's the abode of all things, and it is beyond any sort of mental construction. It is beyond anything that we can kind of come up with, even though we, you and I are talking about it now. It's beyond anything we can conceive. But that doesn't mean... You know, they're not saying in the Upanishads and all of the great texts that you should not seek knowledge and study. Obviously, you, to come to the knowledge of Brahman, you need to have an understanding of the intellectual framework and you need to have engaged in many years of meditation to understand at a deeper level the knowledge of Brahman. But 
ultimately it cannot be understood in the linear sense. It's something that comes to you like a lightning bolt. It's something that is beyond sort of intellectual inquiry. It's something that exists, but we have to come back into realization that it is our true nature. Now let's have a look at stanza five. Undivided, yet appearing as divided, it is eternal, fixed, and unchanging. It is without qualities, the highest space. This is the knowledge the wise understand. Stanza five builds on stanza four, so we're just reinforcing this idea that it's undivided. It's beyond division. It's eternal. It has no qualities. It's qualityless. It doesn't have qualities in the sense that you and I have qualities. It's beyond all qualities. It's eternal. It's fixed. It's unchanging. It's, it's that foundation of reality, that unchanging aspect of reality that brings forth the changeful, which brings forth change, which you and I experience because we experience time and we experience matter and we are a spirit experiencing those two elements of the universe, which are part of Brahman. So again, it's without qualities. It's not divided. And this is what the wise understood. This is what Shiva is explaining to the sages. Now in stanza six, it states, it is the self of all beings. It is the external, the internal, the supreme. It is I, all pervading and calm, the highest Lord whose essence is knowledge. It is the self of all beings. The first part of this stanza states. Now, don't misinterpret self here. Self means Atman, undifferentiated consciousness. That undifferentiated consciousness is the core of your existence, which is identical with Brahman. That's what this first line is saying. It's saying that Brahman is the existence of everything. That which was within you and me, which we misperceive as separate, separate entities from a subjective perspective, is actually objectively the same and is actually inherently one, which is Brahman. And it's just saying that externally and internally, it's all the supreme Brahman. It's all the same, external, internal, anything you experience, everything is Brahman. So it is that I am quality within you. It's all pervading and calm. And it says the highest Lord whose essence is knowledge. Now this is the knowledge of Brahman. This is the re-identification with who you truly are. A stepping away from ignorance. Now ignorance in this sense is the ignorance of Brahman. It's the idea that you are this person living in a world where you're isolated and separate from everything else. This is the ignorance that they speak about in the Vedas and, and the Upanishads. You're coming back into your true self, which is Atman, which is Brahman. This is the knowledge of Brahman. This is the knowledge of Brahman. Now, let's have a look at the final stanza that I'm going to speak about today, which is stanza seven. I, whose form is unmanifest, pervade this entire world. All beings dwell in me. He who knows this knows the Vedas. So Shiva is basically saying to the sages that Shiva himself, Brahman, pervades the whole world. It is essentially the unmanifest, which you know I've gone over a lot through these stances, but it is the unmanifest that pervade this entire world. And so all beings dwell in Brahman. We are all dwelling within Brahman. Now, everything you are doing, everything that you believe you are, 
all of these ideas of who you are, it's, it's all within Brahman. And the last line says, he who knows this knows the Vedas. Now, the Vedas were the essential four core texts of Hinduism. And it is the original text that goes back to the Rishis who had the realized knowledge of Brahman through, you know, obviously extensive spiritual practice and dedication. And so they came to the knowledge of Brahman and they delivered the Vedas. So Vedas actually means knowledge, uh, or we could say here, the knowledge of Brahman. This is what Vedas is, the spiritual knowledge. And so that's what this last line is saying. It's saying that you've come to the understanding of what the Vedas are explaining. You've come to the knowledge of Brahman. And that's the beautiful thing about these first seven stanzas of chapter three, where we can get into just, we're just scratching the surface of the nature of Brahman, or we say, or we could say the nature of Shiva here in this sense, the nature of Shiva. We're just scratching the surface because Shiva is explaining to the sages the nature of its Brahman nature it is explaining that to the sages. And we get the you know, unique opportunity in this day and age to be able to read these sorts of scriptures freely. You can just go online and you can just buy this just like that. Whereas back in the day, we're talking thousands of years ago, there was only oral transmission mainly. And you know, if you were that fortunate to have a text like this, you know, people would have said that you were blessed and so forth and so on. But now you can just pop on any sort of bookshop online and you can get yourself a copy. And everything I talk, talk to you about today, about these seven stanzas, about the knowledge of Brahman, as I said, it's just scratching the surface of chapter three and a lot within this great text, Ishvara Gita. And I'll have a lot more on the Ishvara Gita in future episodes of the Sacred Word because it's just, there's just too much to unpack with this text, too much to unpack. So I highly recommend this text and I hope you guys got a lot out of it today and I enjoyed sharing this with you, the seven stanzas, and I look forward to seeing you in the next episode. Shanti, shanti, shanti.